Hi, everyone. Welcome to Frontier Faith, a podcast where it's okay not to know. Before we get into our standard introduction, before we get into our conversation for today, I just want to put out a request. Uh, Ryan and I have been doing this for about a year, um, well, a little over a year now. We've been doing this kind of nonstop for that time, too. There have been a couple weeks here and there where we haven't done anything, but it's uh, for anyone who's been in production of uh, anything that gets consumed by the public. Uh, it's a lot of work. Uh, there is the recording time of the podcast itself that Ryan and I really enjoy. There's also the editing and some of the it, community stuff like the Facebook page or website and other stuff like that. And as you know, we've kind of joked here and there that uh, we don't really update the stuff like we should. And, uh, Sometimes the editing becomes a little too hard and too overwhelming just because of all the other stuff going on in my life. So I just want to put it out there. If you are somebody who knows how to edit audio, if you're somebody who would like to help out either with that or with our community engagement stuff like Facebook and our website and maybe even our Discord, uh, we really want to ask for your help. Uh, we can't offer any money or anything like that. We're just hoping that somebody might be able to help out a, a few hours a month, maybe just an hour a month or an episode a month, just to lighten the load a bit for me and for Ryan as we're doing this together and making it so that we can still come to you every week with something to talk about and something to engage around rediscovering at some ways, but also reinterpreting and maybe even reforming as much as we gave that away, whatever that means, this church that we've gotten. So if that's something that you're able to do, you're interested to do, please email us at FrontierFaithPodcast at gmail.com, and I would be pleased to hear from you. So without further ado, uh, my name is the one that's been talking this whole time. My name is Nathan Whitaker. My name is Ryan Harris. And today we're going to continue somewhat our conversation from last week. We asked last week, do we really need pastors? And we talked about what leadership looks like in the church, the pastor's role and expectations. And we really started to think about maybe a decentralized pastorate as or certainly leadership team inside of a particular congregation uh, and we've gotten good feedback from that always we love to hear what you're thinking even if you're like hey you guys are way off base uh, or if it's just as simple as hey I love hearing from two pastors the same kind of thoughts I've been having over the last yeah we want to continue that conversation give the feedback as much as you can but for the conversation today, we want to just analyze again things that we think we need in the church. And the first thing that came to our mind as Ryan and I were talking about this was the church building itself. And so we're going to ask the question, do we need a church building? Do we need that in the church? And we wanted to start, as we usually do, of kind of grounding ourselves in our traditions, or at least in our cultural expressions within this question of how we've done church. And Talk about how buildings have been viewed, how they've been talked about, how they've been uh, used in both of our experiences as pastor's kids. So, Ryan, 
in, in your growing up and then even after you left your home uh, to do college and so forth, what has it been like to hear the conversation around church buildings? Gosh, it's been literally all over the place. So, I mean, you know, historically speaking, if you want to look at Pentecostals, I mean, Azusa Street took place in a barn, right? They sat on actual like crates and they put like plywood on like, you know, stumps and that kind of stuff because that was where they had to meet and it didn't really matter. And, uh, you know, that did not stay the case in, in terms of, you know, Pentecostals now do not only meet in barns and such. Um, and you'll see everything from tiny churches to the a lot, not all, not all of them, but many of the mega church types are Pentecostal of some variety or another. And uh, so it's really been all over the place. And in terms of my own experience, so, you know, growing up, we were in a church um where uh, the building was in bad shape. It was old and it was, I think not, it just wasn't in very good shape. It was in a bad part of town, um, you know, in the sense that like people would come in who were like not safe. I, you know, it's not like a bad part of town isn't a racist keyword in this case. It was more like, you know, we would have people who turned out to be sex offenders wanting to go to kids church kind of stuff. Um, yeah. Anyway, so like there was always a lot of the goal was always to get out of that building. They wanted to sell it and I'm sure build another one somewhere else. So while we, while we were there, they actually did end up selling it. And then, you know, for the last year or two before my dad left there, they were meeting like in a school and in other churches and that kind of thing. The idea being eventually they would hopefully find and build or buy their own building. So, um, and I think now uh, that church, I mean, it's been a long time, but I believe they did eventually do that. But, um, you know, and so like, and then the church after that we went to had a pretty new building. It had just been built, but then it had been given a whole bunch of money from a church because it was like a one church sent a fair number of their people to another place because they lived in that area. And they so they gave them some money and like a loan and this kind of thing. So they had a it was small, but it was a brand new building, you know, and then in college, I went to one that. Um, some people would uh, mockingly call the Church of Shiny Objects, you know, because they had uh, <laughs> big chandeliers and flat screen TVs and, okay. you know, fancy everything, you know, that kind yeah. of stuff. So Good it really, there. yeah, and, and there, there were a lot of wealthy people in that area. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and so like there was just, for me, it's been really all over the place. And I will say theologically, I heard, probably at every place that the the church is the people and not the building. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I would say, however, how true that actually was, was also kind of ran the spectrum of, okay. yes, I think they believe that. Uh, they say they believe that, but I'm not convinced. Yeah. You know? um, so that was how it kind of was growing up for me. A lot of, it was very mixed, kind of all over the place. Because mm. like in, in the one case, they did need to get out of that building because it was bad. You know, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, it's not that it was unsafe, like it was going to fall down. Although the third floor, nobody could go on because it wasn't safe, <laughs> you know? So like, okay. you know, like that yeah. wasn't a, that wasn't a problem for them to want to get out of there, you know? Mm. Um, but, and then the other side of things was, like I said, the church of shiny objects where, you know, they'd have a fancy, some pastor 
some well-known person visiting like, oh, I remember they had whatever this means, Joel Osteen's youth pastor come and they oh, made really? a huge deal of this. And I think I they bought, I, th- I think it was this time. I hope, I hope I'm remembering right. But they bought like all new furniture for the lobby because this oh, person really? was coming, you know, <laughs> now they yeah. probably needed, they, they may have needed yeah, it anyway. It's one stone. Like, yeah. you know, I'm not like, and I could be wrong about how I'm remembering that, but that kind of thing was very possible. Like that kind of thing happened, even if I have those mm-hmm. two things wrong. So um, anyway, so yeah, it's really been all over the place. Interesting. I like how you tied it to your heritage too, because of course, Lutheran heritage is much different. Lutherans well, I mean, came sure, out. From the cathedrals in Europe. And yeah, stuff, exactly. You know? Um I've been to Wittgen, uh, Wittgenstein, <laughs> uh, Wittenberg, uh-huh. and I've seen the two churches. The one is a very Gothic castle type thing. The other is a very Romanesque two pillars types thing. Both of them, of course, were Catholic churches, and that's how um, how it all worked there. Lutherans would win the sway of the people politically and religiously usually first religiously, then politically. And so the Catholic churches just became Lutheran churches and they of course modified and changed mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. So our, I think our heritage is that, um, well, let's, let's speak more into that. When, it, when I went to seminary and you've of course been to that seminary, there was uh, a huge chapel. Um, There's even a little, tiny prayer chapel. I mean, it's is, a, it's a beautiful campus. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's gorgeous. And that's where if you were to see where they spent the money up until fairly recently, they just updated their library. But before that, most of the money was in the chapel building itself. Mm-hmm. It was the most updated thing. You could kind of tell when things were built, there were these things from the twenties and even before <laughs> yeah. that, then there was the 60s building right uh-huh. across the way. And then the chapel was built in the early 2000s, I believe. And it's just this huge, wonderfully beautiful building. It was uh, and rarely, ch- if ever, full. I mean, outside of like right, graduation, yeah. graduation or um, yeah. um, what's what's it called? Um, call day, right? Like then it would yeah. be full. Otherwise, it rarely was full. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's, it is beautiful. We had an ornate ornately decorated prayer chapel as well. And I bring that up just because the culture from our heritage is that buildings can uh, proclaim Christ as much as anything else, which is a little different than I think your heritage, which is... Well, yeah, because I mean, it started very much the opposite. Buildings don't, we don't give a shit, right? Um, Totally not the point. But then I, I think now, especially with some of the very large churches, I imagine that you know, you hear some similar arguments, right? Yeah. Um, like, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have those kinds of things uh, in our history. I would say my experience is that my dad was a, uh, he's no longer doing this function of being a pastor, but he was more of a mission plant type uh, pastor. So he would go where there was a desire to do something like one one of your churches said that they have people that live a significant amount of people that live far away enough that they don't want to drive all the time. So they create a new church and um, the kind of 
marker that you've made it in those things is actually getting a building. And my right. dad yes. never got a building. Um, doesn't mean he wasn't successful. It just means that the marker never got there. So we had a lot of conversations. We even had, um, what's it called? Uh, the funding drive capital oh, campaign. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We had a capital campaign for the second building. The first we met in a police officer or police station, the second floor of it, mm-hmm. which was fascinating. Um, and then the second one, we just met in some strip mall somewhere for a while. And I can't remember if they ever actually did build that. I don't think they did. Um, Cause my dad then started pastoring at the mother church. That's kind of supported all that. Um, so that's kind of been my experience. Of course, as a pastor, I also have had the experience that we're going to get into a lot through this episode. Um, I walked into a capital campaign to redo a significant part of our church. Um, but I'll get into all that. What I know is that the people here um, really had a lot of pride in this building. Um, they moved from a, a downtownish type area to a more open area and bought a lot of land, built a build, big building. And I, I would say I probably lean like on the edges instead of everywhere in between. It's like mm. grandiose put all the effort into buildings or with my dad, we never have any buildings and we want to achieve getting a building. So that's so the, the building was often the goal though, whether it was to make the one we have better somehow, or, you know, we need one cause we don't have one. And that's how we know. Like, I don't know if anybody would have said this officially, but for a lot of new churches, regardless, I think the idea is once we have a building that we purchase or build ourselves, then we're now we're now we're really like that's always the goal that we we go towards yeah all the talk around a church building was about this is the goal to show success really Mm -hmm. to just name it like that we know we are successful when we have a giant building we now have to take care of yeah or in some cases just any building right like yeah you know right. not one where we don't have to put uh, get out and pack up our stuff at every week um yeah because it's our space and we can just you know that kind of thing um that's how we know we're a real church yeah and yeah. so culturally i think we've learned or at least we've been told that we do need a church building that mm-hmm. to be a real church We have to have something concrete, some brick and mortar type place for us to congregate, for us to do ministry, some people will say, Um, but certainly a place that's ours. I think that's pretty safe to say, right? Yeah, I think so. Although it's like, it's not like, there does seem to be a distinction though, because technically you can do all of those things in the park, right? You could meet, you could worship, you could, you can do all of that, but there's something about a building specifically dedicated to those things that we all seem to want, um, for what it, well, for various reasons, you know, and I'm just at this point, I'm not saying that's necessarily all bad. I'm just saying that is, you know, kind of the prevailing view of it, I think. Well, let's talk about the good stuff. Like, cause why is a building a good thing to have as a church or a congregation? Well, I mean, on one hand, it does let you focus more on 
parts of ministry that you're not able to if you don't have your own space, right? So like the church I was a pastor at for a while, um, it was, and they've just, just a few months ago, uh, purchased their own building. But um, so it was always, we met in gyms or we met, um, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, so we'd get everything out in the morning and put everything at, away at the end. And that was a good hour of work on each end of service every week, you know. And so a lot of time and effort was spent on putting things away um, that could have been spent on other things, you know, with people or whatever. Uh, there's also, I think, the idea that money's tied to it somehow too, right? Because you have to spend money to rent a space or whatever it is you do. And there's something, the idea of like, and maybe this is just the American part of it too, of like, we want to spend money on something that is um, going to stick around rather yeah. than just giving this building a thousand dollars a month or whatever it was. I don't know how much it was. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think those two are definitely a, a benefit of having your own space is that you don't have to, it's not that, I mean, you got to maintain a building and stuff, but some of the stuff that you want to do as ministry is much harder to do if you have to spend a lot of your time and money on some of this other stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would also say that we, st when we were at seminary, we studied with a, uh, a man from Brazil who wrote his dissertation on the concept of home and uh, the, uh, without getting too vague and too abstract, the theology of place and how mm -hmm. place matters and having a place that Christians can't necessarily call their own, but can be seen as God's um, location, if you will, within a community does have some import, um, yeah. especially within Lutheran theology. I think it's true in all theology, but Lutheran theology tied to uh, word and sacrament ministry and the, the value of place is definitely there. And I think there's some value there. I think that is a good thing. Um, right. For us to roam around a lot creates anxieties and, and worries, and it creates a whole lot of different problems. Like you mm. always have to wonder where are you going to rest your head at night? Are things going to work this week? You know, because sometimes your sound system just doesn't work one week for whatever. I mean, that can happen in a normal, like a church too. But like when you're doing all this stuff, things get changed and, you know, so mm -hmm. that yep. kind of stuff too. Yeah. So having a place a home, if you will, for worship. There is some value with, when it comes to comfort, when it comes to security, when it comes to uh, consistency, as you were saying, mm -hmm. um, and a few others that having a building, a place that's exclusively, or at least in principle, the churches is a good thing, I think. And there are also certain kinds of ministry that you can do that are not impossible without one, but are much more difficult. So like, um, it's easier to have things like not on Sundays if you have your own building to do it in, right? So like at yeah. that church I was at, if we wanted to do something outside of that, we either had to pay more money for that extra use if it was possible, or we had to try and find another church that would let us borrow theirs, you know, this mm -hmm. kind of thing. So it never had then much of a, like, say, youth group, partly because of the age of the kids who were there, but also because there wasn't an easy way to do that. Um, 
it wouldn't have been impossible, but it would have been much more difficult. And like, yeah. so like that kind of thing um, can certainly be part of it too. If you have not just a room, but like facilities that can be geared towards certain things, you know, like the church yeah. I go to now, it doesn't just have rooms for the children. It has rooms that are, you know, decorated in such a way and has kid kind of furniture. And there's a bathroom that is specifically geared for kids and, you know, like all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff that you can't do in a place yeah. that isn't that. We have a childcare and preschool on our right. site. So education is a big thing. I know several Lutheran churches in our area have schools and uh, that's really hard to do if you don't have a building. I was also thinking of certain service ministries like um, I know homelessness in, in inner city areas and really anywhere is a, an issue when if you're trying to serve the homeless without your own home, it, it's really difficult because yeah. you don't have space to help them and serve them. Of course, you can do it. I There's this wonderful program, I believe, in, in Portland where they go underneath bridges where homeless people are uh -huh. living and they give them showers uh, right. with makeshift showers. They give them haircuts. And so it's not impossible, but in some areas it might be very difficult to do that. Right. Well, and like the, so the town that Daniel lives in, in this last, last winter or the winter before when it was super cold, um, mm. I can't remember which church, but one of the churches let people who didn't have a home stay in the church overnight and the city got real upset about it and you can't do that kind of thing and because it's not technically a shelter and all this stuff so then what they started doing was they just called it an all-night prayer vigil and anybody can come <laughs> and uh but i mean like that's the kind of thing that you can do a good thing that you can do with yeah. with having your own space you know there's i can't think of things that are much more christian than you know helping people yeah. not freeze to death when right. they have no home so um yeah. yeah, or uh, somebody in my congregation, we had some flooding in our area recently because so we had just had a lot more showers this year. than, And so she had to be out of her home for a little bit, mm -hmm. and she went to a church because that's, mm -hmm. that's where everybody was pointing her to. And I think those things are wonderful. And if the building serves the community and looks out for people, uh, which, you know, I would hope every church tries to do, then the building can be a really fantastic place. Yeah, just don't go to Joel Osteen's church when it floods because, man, they will <laughs> not let you in. Um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. And even with the worship service itself, I guess this probably depends more tradition to tradition. Uh, I think it'd probably be universally true, but to what degree and what elements are true. I think it's nice to have... A building to be able to do some of that stuff that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Mm -hmm. And so I don't ever want to say that that's not great. Like uh, mm -hmm. I was thinking of, wow, that was not a good statement. <laughs> I was thinking of um, some of our non-denominational churches in the area. They have, I'm sure you're familiar with this, like this big Baptist pool or baptism pool where they, you know, because they believe dunking and, and doing baptism that way, that's integral for the life of the congregation. I don't ever mm -hmm. want to dismiss that. It'd be hard for them to... Well, I mean, so when we wanted to do baptisms, we would go to, um, you know, we'd go to a park where there was in the summer, okay. you could only really do them in the summer, um, where a spot where you could, you know, where the water was actually clean and not going to, you know, yeah. or you'd have to borrow another church's place is right. the only way to do that. So. 
Actually, yeah. though, I will say, doing it out in nature somewhere is a pretty damn cool yeah, way to baptize people. Cool. <laughs> but uh, but yes, that kind that's another thing that you can that's a lot easier to do when you have your own way to do it. Yeah. So there there's some really good things. I'm sure we've just scratched the surface of what it looks like to have a a church uh, building that's yours and why that can be beneficial. But of course, anyone who's listening to this is American probably at some level or another, uh, knows Americans and knows that uh, we've done more to the church building than just use it for these wonderful things. So what I I think it's just good to riff and see what, what happens. What are some of the things that we've done to the church building within our culture that we either see as problematic or that can hinder even that work that's so good? Well, there's plenty to talk about here. It won't surprise you to to hear. But um, maybe one of the big places, a place to start is, uh, well, money, right? So so it's not that things cost money and therefore they're bad. It's that... um, Man, there's a lot of ways that things can go wrong when you're talking about that much money. So if you are if you are trying to build your own church or buy your own church, you're talking about either raising, you know, however many hundred thousand dollars or borrowing it from the bank or whatever it is that you do. And those things aren't inherently bad, but they do create a lot of fertile soil for bad things to happen, right? We either get focused on the money and we don't care about things that are more important, or in some cases you find out that there can be things like even embezzlement and mm-hmm. you know that kind of thing, or it can be all we ever do is raise money for the building and we don't do anything else. I mean, like there's any number of things there that is not, they're not inherently evil and don't have to be bad, but man, they make it easy for things to go badly. Um, like it just, it's very possible for things to go south quickly, I think, um, when you're talking about money in that way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, like, so the thing that's in my mind is dancing between the line of possible and inevitable. Mm-hmm. Um is it inevitable that we'll get there in terms of thinking of ministry through the lens of money? Mm-hmm. Um, if we have a building, it's certainly escalated to a degree that you wouldn't have if you were mm-hmm. just doing normal ministry because you don't have anything that you really need to raise money for. Right. Um, when you have an, a burden, a responsibility given to you by, of course, the banks and so on and so forth, the other people who might, and you were so charitable, hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know. Whatever. Well, but I mean, like, whatever it is, yeah. it's just debt is a tricky thing. Like, should churches be in debt? I don't know. I can't say no definitively, right? Right. But man, debt, especially debt of a million dollars or more. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's uh, that's a whole nother thing. So then what do you think? Do, should churches have debt? Boy, that's a tough one, right? Because on the one hand, if they don't, you're not going to see many churches built new or bought, turned into churches because of what things like buildings and stuff cost, right? Most mm-hmm. churches don't have a million dollars or more to just sitting around to just build one without debt, right? 
but I think the, gosh, like I wonder though, because at the same time, um, when you are in debt, that means not only are you paying off the money you borrowed, but you're paying interest on it for however long that is. And that interest goes to the bank and the bank is the bank, right? Like, mm -hmm. so the bank is part of the capitalist system that is not great, um, can be really bad for people, especially poor people. Um, you know, you also have to wonder, is it right to, so say, I don't know how long church mortgages are, 30 years, whatever it is. Yeah, probably. How much interest do you pay on a, on a million, to say an even million dollar mortgage, how much yeah. interest do you pay in 30 years on that? And is that what the church's money should be going towards? And again, I'm not saying never, because I don't know if I can say that, but I just, especially the part about like, not just the amount of money, but what that money can be used for that you have no control over whatsoever. I mean, how many times do we hear about this bank was involved in a scandal where they were overcharging people for things and they got mm -hmm. away with it for 10 years, or they were running some kind of scam, or we found out this bank was like, well, you know, holding the money for dictators that kill people or whatever it was. And we have no control over that whatsoever because you can't just not, well, you can just not pay them, but then you don't get to, you know, that doesn't work. So yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's a tricky thing for me. I, I'm not ready to say churches should never borrow money, but it does get tricky there, I think. Yeah, I think the other side of it for me is, what if you dedicate, so let's, let's just say without the problems of culturally what a building means, which we'll get into, but let's say you're just dedicated to buying a building. What, what's to say that you can't save the money that you need, whether that's through a capital campaign or anything else, just taking from regular offerings that people give intentionally for that saving and then building a building my 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 hunch my gut reaction is that if we were to save that amount of money there'd be a large conversation about what do we actually want to do with that money good luck saving that amount of money though because yeah, like exactly. you got six hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank for example on your way to something people are going to want to spend it exactly yeah you know? Which I don't know is necessarily a bad thing. Right. Like how do they want to spend it? Do they want to spend it on ministries? Then, you know, so it's kind of like, I don't know, you know me, it always gets to some sort of power. And I don't think it's malicious power here, but it's power of leadership of saying, hey, let's take on a debt that incurs this responsibility that we have to pay. And so we're going to do that, even if not everybody is kind of on board with it. It's just yeah. kind of what we do as a church. And then you add in all the complications of, of getting a, a loan and debt and well, what and that means for, yeah. Especially since churches are not guaranteed a future, right? Churches right. close all the time, especially yeah. these days. So it's, and how many churches have we seen that they built gigantic buildings in the 90s or whatever when they were doing very well, and now they can't afford to take care of it? You know, yeah. or the, you know, they have a property that they're not using, but they can't sell it and the boiler breaks and there's nobody even in it and you got to spend $20,000 to fix it. So the whole thing that, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's, it's oh, and the, language, the language and theology around this gets really problematic, especially from a power dynamic, because the way that this gets quote unquote sold to people when those questions come up is, well, God will be faithful. He'll take mm -hmm. care of us. Mm -hmm. 
if we just do the right thing, then blah, blah, blah. We won't have to worry well, about money. Notice and then, that that's assuming what we're already doing is the right exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. then then when the church does, or let's say if the church does run into these problems, then you've got this whole uh, complex built around, well, are we doing the right thing? Have we, have we, like, we owe this to people to really stick through and, and take the sacrifices to maintain this building and so forth. And there's like this spiritual weight that gets put on people that, hey, God wanted this to happen, so it better happen. And not only should it happen now, but for the next 30 years or 40 yeah. years or however long it is that you actually pay off this thing. And so the kids, of course, of these people who start the church building pro program are the ones that have to um, continue to pay for it when they get right. older. And, you know, I know there are other ways that this can happen, too. Like um, in the Assemblies of God, I don't know a lot about it, but I know they have um, they have a whole department and it's like financial solutions or something. But their whole reason for existing is that they help like they actually give loans to churches rather than through yeah fire truck. Uh, so like they have a whole like they have a few credit unions and they have this whole network. And the idea is that, like, say you start a new church, you get a loan from them so that one, the money that you're paying and even the interest can go to starting other churches. Like so like I like that idea. And maybe I'm sure there are other places, things that do that, too. I'm sure they're not. The first. We have some. Right. Yeah, and so like I'm more comfortable with that than I am just borrowing it from a bank but you know there's not enough of that to like to do that for every church that somebody wants to build like they're just, right it's, i just i don't think there is you know um, and the problems with capitalism don't go away if it's the church lending the money and then um, that's the question too is it should the church be a banking system right i, I mean right. in this case it sure seems like it can be doing good things but man like we've like I don't know. Like that gets pretty sketchy pretty fast too, you know? Um, yeah. Like how do we know, like how do you even manage something like that in a way that is quote, right? Like yeah. should that be something a church is doing? I don't know. That seems pretty. Yeah. I don't, I couldn't do it. Let's put it that way. I would not that I'm a financial person. I couldn't do it because all the money would disappear and not because I stole it. I just would like lose it somehow. But, yeah. um, you know, yeah, like, like, I don't know if that, like, is that really better in some ways? Yes. And in some ways it's another problem in and of itself, you know? Yeah. And to say like that, like the church has enough problems. Why throw money problems into the whole mix too? I mean, at some level it's unavoidable. Right. I get that, I mean, but we can't, we don't live in a society where they're like money is part of what we do. That's, yeah, and right. I, I think we both realize that, which is why I think we've been careful to say like, we're not, we're not careful to not say don't do any of this, but you know, at the same time, it's like, man, it gets so American capitalist so quickly because we yeah. exist in that society and you know, money, money can do some real bad things to, to people. Yeah. So money is a problem. It's a, a reality we have to face, but it's also imaginary. Mm, right. uh, well, yeah, it's not, not real. None of it's real. <laughs> exactly. I love this uh, parable of uh, a visitor goes to an inn and the inn has a 24 hour 
a refund policy. If, if you don't like the service, if you don't like anything in it, they'll automatically refund it. It's a hundred bucks a night. So this traveler goes and he pays a hundred dollars to the innkeeper. And the innkeeper says, Oh, I have a hundred dollars. I remember I have to pay the baker a hundred dollars. So he goes and pays the baker. Baker says, yeah, my shoe salesman, he just, uh, he, he fixed my shoes. So I got to go pay him and he goes pay him. And, you know, you can just draw this out as long as you want. Eventually somebody says, oh, I owe the innkeeper a hundred dollars. So he brings the innkeeper a hundred dollars. And then the customer comes and says, you know, your bed wasn't very good. I didn't sleep well at all. I think I need to have the refund and the money goes back uh, to the, the visitor. And the parable ends by saying, and the whole town was free of debt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the reason is because money doesn't exist. And part of the problem when it comes to the church, I think, and this is more theological, more deep, is it adds, it, when the church decides to be involved with money to a certain degree, I don't know where the window is or the line is rather, but it starts to invest reality into something that causes so much trouble mm-hmm. for people that I don't know if it goes as far, far as a moral imperative because I have problems with morality as we've discussed here. But it is certainly something worth considering. Like if we're going to be playing the game of lending money and, and borrowing money and fueling all those problems we ought to be really careful, I think, what we do that with. Well, especially since and, it's other people's money. And in some sense, yes. maybe not in all the ways we've been told, but in some sense, it's God's money, right? Like, I mean, not mm-hmm. not like in the, so you better give God 10%, otherwise to hell with you. Um, right. It's not God's money in that sense, because that's nonsense. But there is something <laughs> along the lines of like, you know, this is not, we're not just a, theoretically we're not just a club that has a similar interest and we pay dues kind of thing mm-hmm. um yeah so I, yeah it gets dicey yeah boy and that's just money right. and we've spent what 20 minutes yeah. talking about money okay so money fix yeah. solve that one <laughs> yeah i think the other thing that i really want to talk about outside of money is as problematic as that is, I think perhaps an equally large problem is what a building does to the culture of a congregation. Uh, it really changes the, and we hinted at this already, we hinted at this of uh, the goal of a mission plant is to finally get a building, uh, whether it's small or large. And the goal of a growing congregation or even the fact that we have a goal to be a growing congregation uh, speaks to what a building does to our culture. Yeah, it's a, and, it's a mark of success, right? How do people know we've made it? We either have a building or we're consistently making it bigger because we yeah. need to do that. Yeah. And it strikes me as a very American thing. It strikes me as counter to... Well, I don't want to go that far. Uh, It certainly is an American thing. It also, the the image that we use a lot at my congregation, and I I wish it were just one that was used a lot more, is the country club. Mm -hmm. It, It makes it that the church is a country club. And so you already said it with money. It, it turns members into dues-paying people. Mm-hmm. 
that and it's it's a weird thing it's not something that happens just because you have a building uh, i don't know i haven't seen a healthy culture that has a building that has fought against this temptation but when you invest in the decision to have a building i think what happens intuitively with people is then they believe that they're entitled <laughs> To have church a people? say Entitled? in the money, no, yeah, not church. To people. have a say in the money in such a way, and and hear this in the best way, of course, because it's their money. We want to do everything we can to honor Christ and honor them, as we do that. But the the shift in culture really becomes. I've experienced this a lot. I'm kind of rambling because I think I've been dancing around this. Um, at my congregation, and I'm not doing this to throw them under the bus, uh, but in my congregation, they have spent the last decade at least talking about how do they keep the building from closing? How do they keep things from staying the way that it is enough? Like they, I don't believe they think the status quo is the way to go permanently, but they want to capture the status quo sustain it, and then move beyond. And so the status quo for them is to be able to pay the bills for the building, to pay our um, responsibility to the bank. In this case, it's a, a church funding kind of bank situation. And therefore, people become folks that pay money to first and foremost pay for the building mm -hmm. and then the ministries. Right. And then secondly, they become people who are primarily seen tied up with money. Hmm. So I think there's that money piece of it, but I think the culture piece is that it adds the expectation that if you're here, you're here as paying dues to pay down the building. And this can lead to lots of weird places. The, the easiest and most obvious is that we've got to get more dues paying members to pay off our building faster, or in my situation, to pay off the building without consequence because we're losing quote unquote dues. We get people who, when they're upset, they come to us and say, well, you're going to lose a donor, mm -hmm. that, which is such a strange way to see the world and see the church, especially. Um, power comes into the play when, when you have this kind of bargaining tool of the building, um, especially when it comes to donors. It, it, I'm kind of dancing all over the place, but I think I can do that safely, knowing that most people resonate with this, that there are cultural problems that just start to exist when you have a building that if you don't, it's not to say that everybody's going to be healthy and wonderful because people are shitty and that's how it works. But I wonder if it's causing more problems. It's certainly causing a shift in the culture it's really hard to course correct and say, hey, maybe we shouldn't pay attention to stuff. Hmm. Well, and, and I think one of my biggest problems with it is, is related, I think, is that it can be such a distraction from the things that actually matter. And what I yeah. mean by that is people are like, well, I don't like that carpet color. 
it it's terrible and I'm upset about it. Or, uh, you know, we spent this much on the windows and we shouldn't have spent that much or, um, I don't know, take your pick. And it's all like, none of this matters. There are people in the world who don't have enough food to eat and we're supposed to help them. But instead we're arguing about the damn carpet, right? Like it's like, Ignoring the fact that you're never going to get a room full of 50 people, let alone 100, 200, 500, whatever, to agree on the choices of how you decorate things anyway, Mm -hmm. there's this entitlement it creates of like, well, I think that I want this and you should do what I want. And then someone else, well, no, no, Mm -hmm. you should do what I want. And, and, you know, a lot of times the rest of us, like whether not just the pastors, but a lot of us are just standing there like, I don't give a flying fuck what color the carpet is. Let's help people, (laughs) you know? Like, right. and yet people will leave churches over this kind of stuff. And it's not a joke, folks. If anybody's out there um, that's a pastor and it's hasn't very had real. this experience yeah. yet, it's very real. I had somebody leave recently because the carpet that we put in, we had to put in some carpet. I don't think it needed, it's a whole ball of yarn there, but um Somebody actually left because they didn't like the carpet. So it's wild. Real. Like if I walk into church and I don't like the carpet, I say, huh, I don't like that carpet. And then I keep walking. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like who cares? Right. Like even I wouldn't have probably picked that color. Oh, well, like, you know, yeah. like, like, I don't think that Jesus is concerned about what color we paint the bathrooms. So why are we, you know, why are we other yeah. than like, you know, uh, it's it's okay to like think about it, but I, I just think, and that those are just small parts of the building. But I think in general, buildings can become mm-hmm. this goal. I suppose they could be an idol, but I think that term is used too loosely. I mean, they could be, yeah. but I think it's more along the lines of like, you know, it's we've become so myopic about what it means to really. Uh, exist as I don't want to say the community of Christ because that's an actual group, but I mean, like we've, we've lost perspective on what it means to be the church. I think because we're so focused on whether it's ostentatious church or not, there needs to be this visible marker so that whether it's for other people or ourselves or both um, it's like, well, but the marker of the church is supposed to be the Holy spirit. In, in the people, not not the crystal chandeliers or the carpet that is orange, gray, or brown, or whatever it is. And I think that gets very frustrating because none of it matters in the eternal sense. It doesn't matter in the temporal well, that sense either. either. But especially <laughs> in like, you know, like I said, if we lived in a society where everybody had enough food, everybody could go to the doctor, no children. I mean, everybody had access to equal education and all of this kind of stuff. Okay, then we can spend some time arguing about the carpet, Yeah, right. Right. But in yeah. terms of our priorities, it just shows how selfish and self-absorbed we are because we focus on something like that. And we don't honest and we care about that more than we do the fact that children don't have enough food to eat, for example, mm. right? Yeah. So it kind of to phrase something that you said, it, it made me learn a new way to think about this, is that the problem culturally of what's happening is it's reinforcing entitlement. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, the church is supposed to be focusing on serving other people, serving God, and um Instead, when we build a church building, we reinforce the entitlement that's already within us as Americans, as people in general, but 
Americans have a certain kind of entitlement, mm-hmm. as anyone who's alive knows, Ugh. watching the news. Or just going um, to the damn grocery store. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and so I, I like that way of thinking because it reinforces an entitlement. Not It doesn't establish an idolatry because a building can be used as a building and be just fine. But when it starts to eat into the culture, maybe it just makes it so that the culture is entitled. And and then that's why you have problems with pastors like myself saying, Hey folks, can we, can we actually serve people who need to be served? Can we, can we learn from people who are not like us? Can we partner with them and change this community? I mean, it's like, I imagine, so say, you know, you had somebody weave over the carpet and wherever you put it. Right. I just imagine, say your church was doing some program where it was like feeding kids during the summer because there's no school or whatever, right? And I see these kids lining up and they come in the church and they stop and they look at the carpet and they say, I'm not eating food here. Look at that carpet. It's (laughs) atrocious. You know, it's just like it clashes with the curtains or whatever it is. Like, this is so unreal. Like, we've created our own insulated reality um, which is uh, yeah. one of the big problems. And I think this is not the only way we've done that, but I think it's one of the most visible ways and con- concrete ways we've done this um, is he made a look cause he loved the pun. that he <laughs> It's pretty made. good. Cause I didn't plan it. <laughs> They're always better when they just happen. Um, cause sometimes you'd set them up, you gotta be elaborate. And then they, anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think, and the payoff doesn't work. Well, and, Nate's a bad yeah. audience. He doesn't know what's good. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, I take pride in yeah. that. Um, there was something else I was going to say before you Sorry. so <laughs> rudely interrupted me. Um, oh, it's the, yeah, it's the concrete way. Uh, it's not the only way we've made an insular reality, but it is the most visible, you know, tangible way, I think. And, you know, but, but that's part of, that's a problem too, in the sense that at least in America and in many parts of the world, if not all over, the church does not have a good reputation. The church does not um, conjure good feelings in people. And so I'm not saying that means we should not have church anymore, but there is something about the church and how it looks and that we go in there to be with people just like us. Like it marks us in a way that associates Mm -hmm. us with some things that are not great um, or even terrible, right? Like, I mean, how many people look at, say, well, any number of different kinds of churches and remember that they were abused there or know that abuse happens. And so they say, well, I don't want anything to do with that or those people. Now, again, I'm not saying that because bad things have happened, we shouldn't have church in any way. I'm just saying there is also something about the image of the church that things like church buildings reinforces that we at the very least need to reckon with and we have not. Yeah, I like that because... I don't know if this is a third thing or maybe this is 2A, but it used to be that the church building communicated something positive mm-hmm. to the community. Safety or acceptance um, or all of that. Yeah. yeah. And we can, you know, we can say how that wasn't universally true. Of course it wasn't. Um, but, you know, you hear of stories like during the plague or you hear of stories during the Middle Ages where, yeah, there's the leadership and they're usually shitty, but then you have pastors who welcome in folks uh, mm-hmm. to their own deadly end mm-hmm. just to take care of people. And you hear that. And the church 
not universally, but generally spoke to something good for the community. And certainly, I think even in in most of our history, for the oppressed mm-hmm. and the mm-hmm. the outcast and so forth. That's where you came. Like I'm thinking of. Uh, because I'm a Disney guy, the the Hunchback of Notre Dame, right? Notre Dame in that story is um, sanctuary, a right? refuge. Yeah. yeah, it's a sanctuary for uh, a half man, mm-hmm. Quasimodo, and even for the gypsies at the beginning of that, the the bad guys kind of said, "No, you can't come into the church," which is just phenomenal. Like today, that would never happen, yeah. but um, today, I'm not sure that that image is. Well, I know it's not the same. I'm not sure if it's salvageable at this point. Well, especially when um, sometimes this has happened in the past and still happens, like churches will do things with their buildings that further communicates people aren't welcome. So like it was probably five, 10 years ago now, but there was a, I think it was a Catholic church in California or somewhere. And they put like spikes on things that would come out so that people without, without homes couldn't sleep there, you know, and like, or they have things so that like water would pour on them and kind of stuff. And it's just like, what the hell is happening right now? You know, like there we are using, we're we're not just like, it's not just um, inferred that the building is more important than people. We are making it as clear as we can possibly make it, Yeah, you know. Um, And then you've got church signs that very clearly communicate, we don't want to be a part of the community unless you want to, you know, be as hate-filled as we are and denounce everybody. Right. those kind of make the meme rounds every once in a while. Or sometimes they're hilarious. Not in a good way though. I mean, like sometimes it's absolutely like uh, there was a church in the town that I lived in during um, undergrad and seminary that their church sign made the list of top 10 worst church innuendos on signs, you know, because (laughs) it was that terrible. Um, But uh, Oh, it always kills me when people don't realize on your knees means two different things. Okay, I'll tell you what this one was. So if, if you okay. have kids who are listening, I'm going to take yeah, a short explicit. pause, all right? And this was literally on a Baptist church sign. This is not me being dirty. This 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 sign said, God's favorite word is come. You know, and it's just <laughs> like, you can't do that, right? Like I drove, I remember I drove by it and I almost like, I, I was like, should I tell them? Like, should I go into this church and tell them? But anyway, so like, um, Okay, kids, you can listen again. Um, it's just uh, so many ways that we've let buildings or use buildings to do the opposite of what I think being the church should be like, you know, especially since, you know, it's very, a lot has changed since the upper room, you know, and yet, mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that we, like I've said all along, neither of us are saying no church buildings ever burn them all down, sell them tomorrow necessarily. Um, But at the the churches, at at the beginning of the church, they were gathered in a room somewhere and the spirit showed up and look what happened. And as you read through the book of Acts, you don't see them building a lot of churches, buildings. Now, Paul started churches, right? But those were in people's homes. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I can't, I guess I can't say he never built anything, but I don't think so. You know, 
Um, I think the closest would be synagogues would be transformed or yeah, but that um, was like shared with Christians. So anyway, like it's I know that a lot has changed since then. We don't have the same society, and I'm not saying that like well they didn't build church. Jesus didn't ever build a church building, so we never should. It's not it's not what I'm saying, but I do think we should stop and think about the fact of how much importance we put on it compared to what Jesus and the apostles did. Um, even though things are different since then, people are, people are different, but they're also not, you know, in terms of how the church works. So it's, uh, I think it's, maybe it's not so much that it's, uh, inherently wrong or everything about it is evil as much as we've taken it for granted that it's good and right. And we've not, not only just not asked questions, but we've refused to reckon with some of the problems that are very obvious um, to anyone who's not burying their head in the sand. And we just kind of yeah. shunt it off till later because, well, we like having our building. It's convenient. And it's like, well, okay, then, you know, let's think about some of these things and figure out what to do about them rather than just, well, this is comfortable for us, so we're just not going to think about it. All right. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, what can we do with those? Or to return to our episode title, do we need a church building um, what do we do with church buildings? Uh, what are your thoughts of how we can move forward? Okay, I've changed my mind. Burn them all down. No. Um, you know, like, do we need them in order to be the church? No, right? I, I mean, they're not required in the way that we currently have them. Because like I said, people had church long before they built church buildings like we do, you know. Um, if someone managed to burn all the churches tomorrow, we could still have church um because i mean we are the church right like the buildings are supposed to be a uh, um, a a means not the means <laughs> you know so do we mm-hmm. need them not necessarily i don't i don't think we need them but i don't think that means we can't use them or that they can't be used for good things and i'm not i'm really not trying to just like have it both ways here i don't think but i, I do think We certainly don't need them like we think we do or nearly as much as we think we do. But that doesn't mean that, like I said, if your church has a building, it's time to, you got to move out tomorrow because Ryan says it's bad. I mean, I know I'm important, but people don't tend to put that much stock in my opinions anyway. But I mean, like I go to a church that has more than one building. So I'm not, it's not, that's not what I'm saying, but I am saying, do we need it? No, not in the way we think we do. Hmm. I might be a little more hardline than you. I would say that if your building is not being used for the sake of the community and for the sake of God's witness of his love for the community, then it's better off for somebody else to use. Mm. And maybe the best thing that you can do is steward, to use a Christian word, steward that land to somebody who can use it for the community well. Mm. I don't want you to sell your building so that a Burger King or a bank or uh, a complex of houses that are going to be taking advantage of people, I don't want that to be why you sell your land, to make money and to pay off your debt and all that kind of stuff. gentrify your your neighborhood. (laughs) Right. But if you're not using it for the sake of your community, then I believe that you're squandering your what's been given to you. Mm -hmm. I I don't know if I can go any lesser than that. You're at least squandering what's been given to you. 
and you are functionally operating as a country club. Hmm. There's no other way around it. I don't see any other way to, to perceive it. If it's just for your congregation to proclaim the good news, whatever the fuck that means, then you're not, then you don't deserve the building. It shouldn't be yours. Uh, I think that, and I struggle with this because my congregation has to learn that lesson. I'm not saying like tomorrow, right? If, if you need to take a path to get there, I get it. Congregations have to, we're all starting to realize shit that we haven't realized and we probably should have for a while now. Um, but if you're not actively moving to a place where it's your community's building and it's not yours, or if it's not for the sake of the distressed and oppressed in your community, uh, then then you're just a country club. Mm-hmm. There's no other way around it, I don't think. I don't disagree, or I don't think. Um, so then I would say, to answer the question, of course, you don't need the building. I don't think you should have it if you're just going to be a country club. You can go and do something else as a country club, and many Americans have chosen to do that by siding with Trumpism and other political nonsense that's going on. Have at it. Do it. Don't do it in the name of Jesus because that's ridiculous. Mm. That's not That's not what it's for. In fact, he pissed people off all the time because I shared this this morning. It's like, when did Jesus ever talk about the temple? And which temple was he talking about? Yeah. yeah. Well, that one, he's talking about both. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the other one where he knocks over these stone tables in the, you know, mm-hmm. in the um, temple. But the one that the religious leaders were pissed off for good reason. He was talking about, you don't need to put your effort in the building. In fact, God didn't like the idea that there was a temple being built for him. He was mad at David for it. I think he told, he lets, he told David, uh, he said, um, David wanted to, and he told David, what do I need that for? I've got the tabernacle. It works. I don't need you to do that. Um, So the religious leaders were right to be pissed off because he was saying, hey, you don't need a building. Why can't we listen to that? Uh, Jesus wouldn't want to be tied up into a building, I don't think. I can't speak for Jesus, but I think the, the story that we've been handed down, that we've been given in Scripture, doesn't show a Jesus who's interested in establishing our kingdom, if you will. And if that's what you're doing, then... If that's what your congregation is doing, if that's what you as a pastor or a person is doing uh, in your mind, in your actions, in your participation, then I think that we need to recognize that, own it, and change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I like what you said of like, you know, can we just be honest about it? Like, if if your purpose is to get together with people like who are a lot like you and agree with you on everything, who look like you, and you want to have a club to, you know, for that kind of thing. Well, you can do that. Fine. But you, yeah. you, you know, like there are so many ways to do that that aren't using, that don't, that don't attach God to it in a way that like we were talking about, especially given how much damage that has caused and continues to cause. And like I said, I think about the fact of like, I don't, I don't want this all to be about money, but it's almost hard not to of like, mm-hmm. what else could that kind of money be used for? Will one church yeah. end world hunger? No, but man, they could help some people in their neighborhood. 
right? Will one church um, cure Alzheimer's? No, but what could giving a lot of that money towards disease research or something? I mean, take your pick, right? Yeah. Um, or care for Alzheimer's patients in your community. I mean, like there's just so many things that we could do that we don't do. And they don't have to be mutually exclusive, right? They don't have to be. Like my right. church... Uh, they have a whole, they call it the literacy project and they have volunteers that they take to schools that don't get as much funding and they help kids learn how to read. And, you know, that kind of thing, like if you're using your building to do that kind of stuff and other things too, I hope great. That's then. Okay. Yeah. You know, but if you're using the building so you can sing some songs and tell each other how good you are, even though you're probably not, let's be honest, we, you know, we, we lie a lot. I'm and not, so. here's someone tell us that we're actually, we're good. Everything's good how we are. And, you know, God forgives you or whatever. Now I'll see you again next week. It's like, it's such a waste of time. And I really think it's cause it's not just a waste of time. It's actually also contributing to things like oppression and slavery and harm and, and all that kind of stuff. And we live in a world where we don't have control over everything, obviously, but we do have control over some things. And so I think what you said is right of like, it's obviously not up to us what every church does with their building and they're not going to listen to us anyway. Right. But if your church is one where, you know, it's more about the building and you don't care about the other stuff, well, maybe you should sell yours and do something else, you know? And if not, great. We can all find more ways to use what we have to help other people, right? And I think that's that's what I'm saying. I think that's what you're saying too, of like, you know, why don't we try to focus on the things that are actually important at least as much as we can and see these other things like buildings or programs or whatever they are as what they should be as a means to helping people, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as a way to minister to people, not as a way to minister to ourselves, at least right. not exclusively or even not mostly, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a funny thing that when, and we have this in the public discourse too, I'm thinking specifically of cell phones and smartphones right now, but it's a funny thing when tools become reality. Um, and that's exactly what's happened with the church building. It's It was a tool. It should be a tool. It really is a tool. It can still be one. Yeah. And it can still be one, but we've turned it into our reality. And I like the way that you phrase that. We have created a reality um, that's not exclusive to the building, but certainly around the building, that is just such an alternative world. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have that world, fine. Just don't do it in the name of the church. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. Just don't do it in the name of the church. You can go to a bar. You can go to a game shop. You can go to a coffee shop, whatever. Go somewhere else and do that. And I'm not saying like, hey, you fuckers don't belong in the church. You are part of the church. I get that. But when you're doing this as the church institutionally, then, you know, then we're going to get into problems. Right. Well, and I think, I mean, the best example of this I can think of is look at how so many churches behaved during the pandemic, right? Churches were refusing to not meet in person mm -hmm. because that was more important than people's lives. You know, and if that does not. And they were quite honest about yeah. the fact that they did uh -huh. it because they had to pay the bills. Right. And, and that's exactly that it. Money so stuff. like if that's if that's uh, if that doesn't 
perfectly illustrate everything we're talking about. I don't know what does. And, you know, it's just bricks and mortar and concrete and glass. Like, in the end, none of that matters. Not a bit. Yeah. Not even a little. And even right now, most of it doesn't matter that much. Um, and that's, it seems like it's just so frustrating because I know that's how it's been for a long time. I know that there are good memories and even good things attached to that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. I do. Yeah. I understand that. But the world has fundamentally changed and we can keep our heads buried in our churches if we want to. We can do that. But we're ignoring all the people we could be helping, um, whether that means we have to sell our buildings or not. I'm just saying, like, the world's changed. I'm sorry to tell you that because, well whoever, most of the people listening probably know that. They probably but I'm know. just saying yeah. like for, for others, like the world has changed. Whether we wanted it to or not, it's done. So why don't we work on adjusting to that and retooling ourselves for that um, rather than just burying our heads in the churches and pretending it's all like it used to be? Because that's a recipe yeah. for, well, exactly what we have. I wonder if we could like call this this episode and the last one, maybe we should do more is like what we can't unsee, mm. like stuff the pandemic has shown mm -hmm. us that we can't unsee that. I mean, it's just so obvious. It's just ridiculous now uh, to kind of like bring this in, at least in my mind, not to say we have to finish here, but in my mind, we had this wonderful just happenstance. I didn't preach against a building at all today. Um, it was in my mind because we were talking about uh, the church and so on and so forth. Anyway, after I preached, our final song was Amazing Grace. And uh, the final stanza of that, uh, at least in the Chris Tomlin version, is the world shall soon dissolve mm. like snow. Uh -huh. And you said it, so I'm going to say it too. Everything, everything that we build up will dissolve like snow. You know what doesn't dissolve like snow in our beliefs? People. People's, people do not dissolve. People's lives and how they're changed through the work of the Spirit exactly. through us. You know, that person who, um, whether they become a Christian or not, that person who had food when they were starving, like that's stuff that lasts and that's different. That person who learns how to read because they hadn't been taught how to, that person that your church helps gets a GED who can then get a job and all this kind of stuff, like that stuff matters. Um, you know, ugly carpet or pretty carpet, it's all going to yeah. be ash someday. <laughs> exactly. You know, uh, <laughs> these days quicker than we might want. And if we leaned into that, oh my goodness, what could we do? What could we do if we realized? And I guess the last thing I would say about this is that for those of us who are pastors or in charge or whatever it is we do, like this is going to be have to be a change that we accept too. And that's going to be tough mm -hmm. because a lot yeah. of, you know, job stability and stuff. I think, I don't think I, like you can be a pastor without owning a church building. It is possible, but it's going to be harder in some ways. It's going to be a lot mm -hmm. less defined. And so, I mean, you know, but if we want people to follow in ways that what we are teaching, well, we're going to have to do it too, you know, mm -hmm. and probably first. Yeah. At least sometimes. 
that's the shitty part of being a leader is you have to be the one that leads it. Imagine and, that the leader has to lead, right? Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like Jesus never said we got to be comfortable. In fact, I think quite the honest, uh, the opposite I'm saying, like, you yeah. know, yeah, I pick up your cross. That doesn't, I mean, those things were big and heavy. That wasn't comfortable, right? Not to mention yeah. what it was used for after you got there. So, um, but that's what we're supposed to do. So if you don't like that, take it up with Jesus. I didn't I didn't come up with that. That's not Ryan's idea. That that is the Lord. So you can talk to him about it. <laughs> I love how you do that. <laughs> well, it's, you say the Lord when it's got that. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. I didn't yeah. you know, if I said that, people could tell me to fuck off, right? But it's not they're <laughs> yeah. not my words. Uh, Anyone who's listening, what are some things that you can't unsee because of the pandemic? I'm not saying we're going to follow that. In fact, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be doing something different. Um, but I am curious, is that interesting to you? What are some things that you have seen through COVID that has just radically changed? Somebody once said to me, and I'm sure I've said this here, COVID is both the great uh, accelerator of the problems in the church, but also the great revealer mm -hmm. of the toxicity in the church and what we have built up as the church. And everybody has seen some of the same stuff, but of course you've seen different things too. So if you're interested in us talking about something that you've seen, if you want to share that, um, even if you want to do it like with a voice thing, we can set that up. So you can, maybe I can set up something with you and you can Share a little bit of your thoughts if you're comfortable doing that. Uh, that email me. That would be awesome. Yeah, that would be cool. Uh, so email us at uh, FrontierFaithPodcast at gmail.com, whether that's just, hey, I've, I've seen this and I can't get away from it, or, hey, I'd really like to talk about such and such. And we can have a little chat, the three of us. and Or you could, in essence, leave us a voicemail and we could just yeah. play that. You know, like, I mean, it'd be cool. We're, we're cool to try new things sometimes. So yeah, let us know. So yeah, I expect at some point in the future, we may do more of this of like, do we really need kind of stuff? But, um, you know, because I imagine there are more things we could talk about, um, you know, uh, but for now, I think that's been an interesting place to stop. So yeah, let us know, um, you know, and, and I do think that just like everything else, God will help us with this too. Um, God won't just be like, well, they messed this one up. So, you know, to hell with them. Yeah, exactly. God's not up there flipping us off saying, take that, losers. Um, although 2020 might have felt like it. But anyway, no, I promise that's not actually what's going on. That even in that, God was helping us all the time. I mean, we're still here, you know. And however dysfunctional it may be at times, the church has been here for a long time and it's never going away. And I think we just need to... Um, maybe be more sensitive to the spirit and uh, listen as she helps us figure out how things are different and how we have to change and how we won't be alone while we do that. So yeah, let us know what you think. And it will be okay even if we all sell our church buildings tomorrow or if we don't. But whatever we do, we just need to remember and, and let other people know too that it's, it'll be okay. And it's going to be okay because God will take care of us. 